If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another episode of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. Today is kind of a cool combination between an expert interview and a listener interview. Today I'm interviewing Dara Pollock, who was actually a submission by you guys, and I'm so thankful that you submitted her. Dara is actually one of the original food bloggers and now has a company called Misfit Creatives. She went through a breakup at the beginning of 2021, and as with all things in her life, she wrote about it, and she ended up writing this blog post about blindsided breakups, and it really exploded in popularity, and she became a voice with breakups, and that's what we talk about in today's episode. We talk about her breakup that completely came out of left field. We talk about how she dealt with that. We talk a lot about the pain and agony that comes from not knowing why a breakup happened. We talk about how she dealt with that uncertainty. We talk about how she dealt with the beginning of her breakup and some of her coping tools that she had. We talk about how she progressed through her breakup. And one thing that you may be surprised by is we also talk about how she ultimately did have a quote-unquote closure conversation with her ex a little off over a year after the breakup. And While it's not something, as you guys know, that I necessarily will recommend anyone does, I do think there are so many different ways to heal from a breakup. And I think you'll hear the distinguishing factor is she had already done so much work to get over this breakup and she did not have expectation of how this conversation with her ex was going to go. And I think it was more of a nice to know versus had to know. She didn't need to have this conversation. But anyways, I think it's a really beautiful story of how she worked through this and the insights that she had. I love some of her tools and tips that she shared. So if you aren't familiar with Dara, I went ahead and linked the two blog posts that she wrote about her breakup. So you can either pause the episode here and go read it first, or maybe you can take a look afterward. But anyways, big fan of Dara and excited to share her with you guys. Welcome, Dara, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. It is so exciting to to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited too. 
So I said this to you before we started recording, but this is, I'd say a first or something that I've newer to doing, which is interviewing people who do have a platform about their actual breakup story. Typically I'm doing anonymous listener episodes, or I'm interviewing someone with a platform to talk about a specific subject matter. But in this case, the subject matter is your breakup. So before we get into the actual breakup, I would love if you could first give some background on what you do and why you have a platform to begin with, because there's, you know, this other side of of your entire business. And then, yeah, we'll start there. Yeah. First of all, I'm like, how much time do you have? But I will try to make this a condensed version. (laughs) So I wear a lot of different hats, but I'm 39 years old. I am born and raised in New York. The short version is that I was a dancer growing up and ballet, tap jazz, all that. When I was 17, I got hit by a car and I almost lost my leg from the knee down. So that was not a pleasant experience. (laughs) And I basically had to rethink what I was going to do with my life. I wanted to be on Broadway someday and obviously could not pursue that professionally. So when I was like laid up in the hospital and all that, I watched Food Network all the time. I found it very relaxing watching people cook and I loved to eat. So I basically had like a slew of different jobs, including an internship at Howard Stern. And I started a food blog in 2008. So I'm going way, way back here. You're one of the OGs. Literally. Yeah. That's what I always, I'm like, I'm one of the OG food bloggers, but yeah. And I worked in ad sales. That was kind of where I landed with my career was in ad sales. And I had the food blog on the side. And then when I got let go from my ad sales job in 2015, I just was like, I feel like if I don't pursue this professionally, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. So I started pursuing blogging and food photography full time. And obviously it's many years ago. So all things have evolved into like now I do social media management and coaching under the moniker Misfit Creatives. I rebranded because it used to be the skinny pig. Now I'm Misfit Creatives and I do like comedy as well. Like honestly, that's why the Misfit thing just felt so much more aligned with who I am now because I feel like I have so many different interests and things that it was hard to put myself into one niche, you know? So comedy, writing, storytelling, I do stand up a little bit now too. It's just all kinds of different hats, but that's uh, basically it. I'm a misfit creative. <laughs> I love that. I love, I mean, I think it's so cool that I think so many of the great entrepreneurs bring these different skill sets together and, and you know, create right. something really beautiful from it. So yeah. I'm sure one thing that you didn't necessarily think you would gain traction and gain popularity from is your breakup. So we'll get into <laughs> like the whole breakup, but yeah. could you kind of explain that? Like, how did you become known for that? Or, you know, when I got the suggestion to to interview you, it's like, you know, so I, yep. I would love to hear that story. Yeah. I mean, this also just kind of goes back to my persona in general. I'm just very honest. And I think I have a knack for writing vulnerable things in like a funny way. Not that that piece was funny, but there were parts of it that were funny. You have to there were. You yeah. Read it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I always kind of considered it a talent because what really also launched me into doing the influencing thing in general was I had written on my blog about the car accident story. And that was very much the same thing where it was like a long piece, but everyone was just like, it was a quick read because I could read it in your voice and there was humor weaved in through it. So I was just like, I remember struggling with this breakup so much that I looked online for anything that would help. And so when I finally felt like me again, I was like, you know what, I'm going to write about this as raw and as real as possible in the hopes that it will help people 
because I needed something like that desperately when I was going through it. So that was why. And um, I just put it out there, you know, and that was it. And it just really picked up traction. So here we are. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think the reason that you know, me starting Breakup Bestie in the podcast is there's for how universal and how devastating breakups are. There's I think it's changing now, which is great, but there are very few resources around breakups. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember when I started Breakup Bestie, my dad said that I would never have enough audience to, to sustain <laughs> this, but it's really something that everyone has been through, yet people feel very alone in mm-hmm. the thick of it. So- yep. Let's start with the the relationship of, you know, just, to, you know, we won't focus too much on it. We want to focus on how you were able to overcome it. But could you give a little background on the relationship? Yeah, of course. We met through Hinge, actually. So first app relationship I ever had and the only one so far. <laughs> so we met in May of like 2019. And I don't know, like the short version is that it really was just the first time I felt like it went at a good pace. There was not a lot of like questioning, if at all, of like how he felt, where I stood, where we both stood. It just seemed very adult, very honest, very open. And he just seemed like a genuine sweet guy and like got me and I got him. Like everything just meshed really well. And I don't mean it in like a fell head over heels kind of lustful thing. It was not like that at all. It just felt like we worked together really well. So that's another reason why when this happened, it was beyond devastating. So that was kind of, that's the relationship in short, I would say. And also should mention, did not have a lot of fights either. Like not none, because I think that's weird when that happens, but they were few and far between. Like we we meshed well. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I know part of your relationship did take place over COVID quarantine. So I think, I don't know if you know, looking back, if you feel like that played into it. But I know that that was I, a lot of people on here experience COVID relationships, COVID breakups. So mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, another thing thing to add in. And yep. I think we should talk first about the actual breakup and then kind of rewind a little bit. I think that would be best because it did hit you out of like out of nowhere completely. Yes. So it wasn't like there was anything <laughs> yeah. that led up to the breakup. Right. Correct. At least not in my mind, there was not, you know, this was clearly something that he'd been battling for a while, but yeah, for me, there was none of that. So I think I did mention this in the blog post, but I'm not positive, but there was one tiny sliver of a conversation that we had. I think it was literally two days before the actual breakup where he did mention something about like not wanting to leave me alone. And I remember thinking, well, that's a weird thing to say, you know, and uh, even like my friends, you know, in the times that I spoke about this, they were like, well, you did mention that. I was like, yeah, but that was two days before it happened. It wasn't like we had been having many conversations upon conversations that led to this, you know? So anyway, so we had that one conversation because he had been acting weird all week. It was about a week after New Year's Eve. And we had just gotten back from a really fun trip with my friends where I thought, you know, we had a great time. And he was acting weird that whole week, very anxiety ridden, just didn't seem right. And, uh, like I said, it was a Wednesday, I think, when he brought up that whole like, oh, um, and he was very upset. And he was like, I don't want to leave you alone, that kind of thing. And I was like, wait, you want to break up with me? Like what? And he was like, no, no, I don't. Reassured me that he didn't. And then Thursday happened, acted totally fine. You know, this is all in the blog post too, but he just acted totally fine and normal. Then Friday morning just woke up and was like, I have to leave you. I don't think I love you anymore. And I was just like, are you like, is this real life? Like I 
stopped and I just started crying and I was like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Just over and over. Please don't do this. And, um, you know, he just changed. Like I remember the mannerisms, it was almost scary. It was like, he went from being the person I knew to this like robotic, very distant, cold, like, I just, I'm so sorry. I know this is the right thing to do. It was almost like repetitive. I'm so sorry. I know this is the right thing to do. I'm so sorry. I don't want to hurt you, blah, blah. And I was just like begging him to reconsider. Cause I was like, where is this coming from? Aside from the, you know, two sentences, two nights before, where is this coming from? And ultimately, you know, that <laughs> did not work, but he was like, okay, like I'll think about it or something. Basically I asked him to go to his parents and like, I said, I'll give you space. Cause I, I was convinced in my heart that this was like my person that we were going to be married someday, you know? So I was like, I think you're just going through a hard time because of COVID and just like, whatever, take some time, go to your mom's. Like, I'll give you all the space you need. I'll go to my mom's. Think about this, please. I beg of you. I think we're great together, blah, blah, blah. And instead of going home to think about it, he, I went to my mom's and I was like just crying and despondent the whole time. And he went to his parents, got his parents, came back here and started moving his shit out without telling me. So yeah, that story. <laughs> when I was reading your post, I was like, my heart just like kept sinking and you're a very good writer and that, <laughs> you know, you describe a heart crushing situation and going back to what you said about, you know, maybe that Wednesday, that conversation that you guys have, which you do mention in the blog post. But I think what happens, and I talk to people about this a lot, even if they do look back and they're like, okay, there were signs. It's like, you're not looking back. You can't connect dots that you don't see at the time, you know? So maybe there was like right. one dot, but like you had zero other context for yeah. that being a thing. So I don't think you could get that one thing and be like, Right. This is ending, you know, and launch exactly. into this plan of action. It's not like you just didn't have any other context clues for what was right. going on. Exactly. And I know mm -hmm. people experience that a lot where all of a sudden they watch the person that they love turn into this very cold and robotic person. Mm -hmm. And I think people have their reasonings for doing that, but it does make the breakup so much more shocking because you're not only... Yep watching yourself lose the person you love, but you're also watching the person that you love transform into someone who isn't acting like the person you loved. Yeah. Like when I say I felt insane, I'm not exaggerating. I felt crazy. I did not want to be here for like a while. I stayed with my mom for a couple of weeks because I just like I could not, and I kept having nightmares, like horrible nightmares about him being like a serial killer. I know that sounds kind of funny now, but like, honestly, I felt like I didn't know this person and I would yeah. have dreams and nightmares. I'd wake, you know, when you wake up and you're like half asleep, you're not sure if you're still dreaming. I would see him like a silhouette of him standing in my doorway, holding a knife. Like that's fucking terrifying. And that happened a lot. I was like, it, I felt crazy. I felt like I didn't know this person. That part I think was the hardest, you know, at least in the moment to grasp is like the, how quickly he changed. That was insane to me. Insane. Yeah. I actually have a friend that's going through a breakup right now and there was a betrayal, but it's, she mm. was saying that it wasn't even the betrayal. Wasn't even the part that freaked her out the most. It's that she just had no idea that this person was capable, capable. of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. I just didn't know that they were capable of that. So what was the last multiple years of my life 
am I mm-hmm. just, and then you start thinking, am I just that far off base in yes. what I, in my ability to, to judge people is my heart so far off that I could fall in love with someone that's capable of this. So I know that that's like a huge thing that people wrestle yep. with on top oh, yeah. of going through a devastating breakup. Yep. It, it really, really messes with you. Like I can't stress enough how, how much a blind side plus ghosting, which is what also happened in my case where he just stonewalled me and cut me out. That messes with you on a level that I can't even explain. It's terrible. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I was not okay for a long time. So yeah. I don't know if you can remember this off the top of your head, but you, you describe going through a blindsided breakup in a very good, I, I don't know if that's a metaphor, but the way you describe it, it's just so intense and descriptive. Yeah. Could you, do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh, oh, I think I do. Is it the solitary confinement? The solitary thing? confinement. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. I felt like I was in solitary confinement, sitting in a room with a bunch of blank walls because I had no answers from this person and no answers of my own. Cause obviously it's all you can think about. You're sitting there, you're racking your brain and you are trying to come up with reasons to close the loop in your mind, to make it make sense, to have some semblance of understanding of how this could possibly fucking happen. And you start writing on the walls. You start making up your own story of what this might be. And that's exactly what it's like. You just have, you have nothing to work with. So you just create this emotional, horrible story in your mind that is usually far from the truth. So, yeah. And for whatever reason, our brain loves to fill it in with the absolute worst case scenario. Of course. That's the most damaging to yourself and your self-esteem and your self-worth. And, you know, I know for, in your case, you, really felt like there must have been someone else in this scenario. And I know a lot of people think that the only way someone could turn on a dime like that is they had to have fallen in love. They had to be having an affair. And so we, we just tell those stories. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I even admitted to this in the blog post, which, you know, I was like, everyone's going to think I'm insane, but I really did demand to see his phone. And I've never done that with him because he was actually someone I really trusted. I've had those moments of crazy in past relationships, but they were bad people. So it's different. They, you know, activated my anxiety, but he didn't do that. So I remember feeling like, I can't even believe I'm doing this to this person. Like, I can't believe that this has brought me there. You know what I mean? But I was convinced and turns out not so much. It was just, yeah, yeah, he was happy. (laughs) I think sometimes people, I don't know, I never want to say it's easier to be cheated on because I really don't. I mean, I think every breakup is its own flavor of absolute Mm -hmm. pain and agony. But I do know that when there's a specific thing that you can point to and a specific thing to get really mad about, it can Mm -hmm. help with the pain. Yep. It can be a distraction, I'd say, at least for the pain instead of just hearing, I, you know, I'm not happy. I can't be with you anymore. That's, you know, that's devastating. And to not know what you did to to make, you know, to make them feel Mm -hmm. that way is yeah is extremely hard and it's also just like in the case with him too he had told me like oh well yeah it's not 
he kind of gave me like the it's not you, it's me thing, which I do believe is true to some extent, but it is even harder to hear, oh, well, you're just an amazing girlfriend and you're perfect and I love everything about you, but I cannot be with you. That's even more frustrating. I'm like, tell me you don't like my personality. <laughs> tell yes. me you don't like my family. I would love that. That would make a lot more sense because I'm comfortable enough with myself at this point that I'm not changing who I am. So if you don't like me, then fuck off. But you know what I mean? It was almost harder to hear, oh, you're amazing, but I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, because it, I think it makes people feel very helpless and very out of control. And I know that's I've come to learn. I think that's why a lot of people take on a lot of blame from breakups. I don't think it's actually because they think they deserve the blame. I think it actually gives you some semblance of control, because if you know why you did it, you can change that. But you can't change right. the fact that someone can just fall out of love or someone can mm -hmm. just break your heart and and it gives you know it provides so much fear for future and there's just so many things that go into that when you feel completely out of control in yep. this kind of situation yep and i am someone who loves having control so for me this was exceptionally difficult <laughs> so i do know that there were communication after the actual breakup but i would love to hear first mm -hmm. How did you cope in those first few weeks where it just was the floor was ripped out from underneath you? Yeah, not well would be the answer. <laughs> That's how I coped. But I stayed, like I said, I stayed with my mom for literally two, two and a half weeks. I think I felt like what I like to say is give yourself grace and give yourself some space because I'm somebody who is not ashamed of feeling my feelings. I'm not somebody who feels sad and is like, I'm going to distract myself in every which way and not feel feelings. I'm like, I'm going to sit in this because I know that it's going to feel like shit no matter what. So I'm just going to let myself feel it. But I wanted to feel it in a place where I felt safe. And that was home. And yeah. obviously that's not the case for everybody. And not everyone has that luxury. I'm from New York. My mom is 20 minutes away, you know, different, but still I wanted to be in a safe space. So that was number one. And then when I did come home, it was difficult, but I just changing up my routines really helped. Like, for example, we lived together. So, and I'm a morning person. He is not. I would get up literally probably two hours before he would. And I would creep out of the bedroom, make breakfast as quietly as possible so as not to wake the sleeping prince. And when he was gone, I was like, well, fuck this. I'm going to make some noise. So I started playing music in the morning. I started making shit that spatters, you know, with like frying eggs and stuff. And then I would eat it in bed because I could never eat breakfast in bed when he was there. Not that I have some, un, you know, dying wish to eat breakfast in bed, but it was different and it felt good. And I was just like, if you can attach yourself to things that feel good when you're going through this, cling to those things, you know? So that helped me a lot, like changing up little things, even if it was stuff like that, it, it made a big difference. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I know there's like the famous example of, you know, sleeping horizontally in your bed because like yeah. you can, not because you want to, but not just because fuck it, I can. Yeah. And actually that was another thing I did too, which not that, but I actually slept on his side of the bed. Like I, I actually slept on his side of the bed for a little bit because I was like, you know what, just I'm going to get over this and I'm just going to like put, you know, something there. And I started sleeping on his side of the bed. Unfortunately, that became a little uncomfortable. So now I have a body pillow, which is like really great for my neck and back problems as well. But it's also something to like kind of cuddle and I still use it to this day. So <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. I love that. And I know a big part of your practice too was acknowledging the good things that were still in your life because I know it's it's just so easy to have this happen. And then the friends that you love, the family that you have, the job that you maybe love is just gone. It's non-existent. My whole life is a black hole, which very valid to feel that way, but I do love that practice of acknowledging the good things. Oh yeah. I kept a joy journal. I absolutely did. I even have it here. Not that you you guys can see, but I have a little, my joy journal here. I love that. (laughs) And I was like reading through this. I'm like, wow, this is like embarrassing. If somebody saw some of this, I really wrote down as one of the things that brought me joy that I bought a new fuzzy blanket from home goods. I mean, you can't make that up. So, (laughs) but I honestly think I've had this gratitude group text with five friends mm-hmm. since March 2020 when everything went to yeah. went to shit and mm-hmm. we still have it but it is so I think it's great to acknowledge the really little things because then yeah. you're keeping an eye out for that it's like yeah we can wake up every day and say I can you know I can walk I'm right. healthy I have a roof over my head yes those are great sure. and important to acknowledge those things but if you right. can find joy in picking out a fuzzy blanket from home goods yeah Exactly. Like, it's just because like, really, for me, I'm somebody also who is prone to depression, anxiety, and just negative cycles in my mind. So for me, 
I have to really challenge thoughts wherever possible because when I'm going through something bad, it does not, it's not easy for me to turn it into positive. So that's why it has to be kind of like little things for me that I can pick out and focus on just simply. It could be like getting a sandwich that I really enjoy. It's really small stuff, but then at the end of the day, I would read them and you realize like, okay, there's a lot of little things that I have to look forward to. So it helps. I love that. I think that's really important. And when it comes to progress, when did you start feeling or maybe were there any milestones you hit that you realized, okay, I'm feeling better. I'm starting to feel better now. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint like one exact thing. I do know when I went to Greece with my friends that summer in July of 2021, I had a really good time. And like, not that I didn't think I was going to have a good time. I knew I was going to have a good time, but I kind of thought like Greece, you know, a place where you would, you can go with like a boyfriend. It's like kind of romantic sometimes, whatever. I thought I'd miss him more than I actually did. And I thought that that meant something. Also, you know, if you read the blog post, you know, there was the whole scuba diving angle that drove me insane. For those that don't know, he told me one of the reasons he broke up with me is because I don't scuba dive. And my friends were just like, I will pay a hundred euros to let some Greek guy just let you hold his scuba gear and be like, post it on Instagram. Like I did it. I'm scuba certified. I was just like, you know what? No, I don't need to do that. Like, that's how I felt like I knew kind of, I was like, I'm not petty. I don't need to prove anything to him. I just am out here having a really good time. And yeah, that was, that was one of the moments I would say that was kind of pivotal. I think that's huge. And I think it's really hard to gauge progress in a breakup Mm -hmm. because it's not something that you wake up one day and you're like, I'm done. I'm over it. It's more of those kind of subtle things looking back. Oh, "Oh, I'm not as sad as I thought I would be. I don't actually want to post this, you know, petty thing, mm-hmm. which exactly. I think that would be, I I don't even know if I would call that petty. I think that's cool. I one <laughs> time hilarious. had an ex tell me that he didn't think girls should do CrossFit. And right when we broke up, I was like, I'm signing up for CrossFit <laughs> immediately. <Yep. laughs> oh yeah. No, well actually that's, there are elements of that, that I did do. Like when we did finally speak, which I'm sure we'll get to, but that was in February of 2022. I started doing stand up a little bit right around then. And I knew that that was one of his like biggest, like bucket list kind of things. And it's mine too. We bonded over that, but I actually did it. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to make sure to let him know that I did do that. And uh, yeah, so there is, there is some truth to that. (laughs) It's funny. I'm a very competitive person. I have been since I was a kid and there was definitely periods in my life where I felt like it was a bad thing and it's, it's very ego driven and shouldn't Mm -hmm. be, but I came to realize that there are some really great ways that you can channel that, that do benefit you and can, you know, can Mm -hmm. fuel you to do really great things. And so I think sometimes trying to do something that might come across as petty could be the thing that really allows you to push yourself. Absolutely. Completely agree. And I'm super competitive too. So I get that. (laughs) And I think that's why people after breakups, they totally change their hair. They book this trip. We, we have this certain amount of breakup guts that allow us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. And I think that's awesome. I agree. It's, it's also sometimes like in my case with this, I felt like if I could get through that, I can do anything. I'm fearless now. (laughs) That's I think very true. It's like a trauma drive thing. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, exactly. So the actual breakup happened and then there was a little bit of communication back and forth, which I think your last 
bit of communication, that line that he dropped about, I think there's something better out there for me. It would just, <laughs> I wanted to be like, fuck you, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Same. So, so he said something very mean, you know, at the yep. end. And was that the last time you guys talked until the year later? No, no. Well, cause like, yes, I know. Well, in person. Yeah. I mean, to this day, I haven't seen him since that day when he walked out, but there was like a little logistical things here and there, but I mean, the, <laughs> I did do, I don't know if I mentioned this in the blog post, but you know, that like email that you're not supposed to send, that's yeah. like a brain dump of your feelings and everyone tells you not to do it. I did that. And he did reply to it, but like, it was just, again, very robotic, very short, kind of just like, oh, I'm so sorry I had to do this, blah, blah, blah. It was nothing, but I felt like I needed to get it off my chest. So I did. And then, yeah, it was, it was like just a couple logistical things. That was it. Yeah. No, there was nothing until December of, yeah, around Christmas time when I reached out. That was it. Yeah. And so, you know, you're feeling better. You're doing better. What prompted you to reach out almost yeah. a year later? Yeah. Well, actually, so I reached out in July, actually, after that Greece trip. I think that was the first time I reached out via email because, you know, he had blocked me like everywhere. So I was like, email seems like a safe bet. And he didn't reply to that. And then not because I was like holding on in any way, because I really did feel better. That was why I reached out in the first place in July. But I just... I don't know. This is a controversial opinion, and I'm sure that you will not agree with this either, or any breakup coach would. But to me, I'm just like, I don't know that I subscribe to the idea of like, there's power in just accepting being disrespected by someone you love and that loved you supposedly. And that was why I wanted to have that conversation. It wasn't so much that I felt like I needed it to move on, but I felt like I deserved it. He also told me he would give me that conversation one day. And he just never did. He just fell off the face of the earth. So that was me being like, no, you owe me this. I deserve this. And I'm not letting you off the fucking hook. Like, that's kind of how I felt about it. So I was, but I did tell myself, you are allowed to reach out one last time. Then you're done, Dara. Like, if you can't get your answers after trying twice in one year, walk away. It's done. You have to give up because then it becomes an unhealthy obsession and you don't want that, you know? And so that's what I told myself. I reached out via WhatsApp and, you know, he answered within like 20 minutes, mind you. And he was super nice about it. It almost made me feel like I should have done this sooner. And even he said like, oh, I've been meaning to reach out, which is probably bullshit. But either way, he was open to it and he was accepting of it. So I was just like, yeah, I'm glad that I was the bigger person. And I tried, you know, one last time. So yeah. I think the biggest reason that I don't recommend stuff like that is more so the expectation level of it. And I do think a lot of people think that the key to them being able to be okay and let go right. is that conversation. Yes. So I'm a firm believer that we all have to heal our own way. And I'm also a firm believer that the way that I talk about healing from breakups, people mm -hmm. get over breakups in completely different ways. Yep. But I do think the fact that you had that level of self-awareness to know that, you know, this isn't going to be the thing that magically yeah. makes me feel like I forgot about this horrible thing that happened. Right. I think that's, you know, the key to why it worked out the way yeah. it did. And and I've had situations too, where like organically I've seen an ex and I've had a very honest conversation with them and, and told right. them, you know, what's happened since the breakup and you know, here's my part in the situation. And and so I think yeah. those things can work. And it usually, I think the only way that it usually comes together like that is because it was meant to come together at that point. 
Yeah. And, and I agree with you too. It's like, I don't want people to be out there hearing this being like, oh, well now I have to just badger my ex into talking to me. That's not what I would say or suggest at all. I didn't speak a word to this person. I mean, the no contact thing, I am a firm believer that you need space. You need the time because also sometimes what will happen is you'll go with that, go that time and you'll realize, actually, I don't need that conversation. And like I said, it's not that I needed the conversation. I just really had a hard time with the like lack of respect angle of it. And I just wanted some of my questions answered, but it wasn't like I needed it to move on. And I only reached out to this person twice in, you know, basically a year and we didn't talk at all. I think that makes a huge difference. The space, the distance, you know, all those things combined led to that point. Like if you're, you know, reaching out to your ex constantly, you're texting, you're calling, or you've had multiple conversations and you're just beating a dead horse, then no, that's not what I'm trying to get at. You know what I mean? Like this was a little bit of a specific, unfortunate situation. Yeah. And so a couple months later after that, you guys did end up talking. Can you talk about that conversation and maybe what Mm -hmm. came out of it? Yeah. I mean, like it was, yeah, I think February, 2022, we ended up speaking and um, it was a long conversation. I think we were on the phone for like two hours, two and a half hours or something like that. But um, it was really just, I think that the most shocking thing that came of it was how he perceived me during the breakup, if you will, which I think, you know, if I'm being honest, the whole like closure conversation, that was probably the most important piece that I took from, from it because so like, this is kind of funny, but I remember asking him like, why were you so against talking to me? Why did you block me? Like I wasn't being this like crazy girl showing up at your house and, you know, leaving notes on your windshield. I wasn't doing anything like that. So why did you block me? Why did you feel like that was necessary? In my head, just so everyone knows, I was like, it's obviously because he just can't stand to see how cute I am every day and (laughs) how amazing my life is. That must be what it is. It's self-preservation. And meanwhile, he was like, "Um, no, you were really angry and emotional. And he used the word hostile. I don't believe that I was hostile. (laughs) And he was like, you were just so angry. You were so angry. And I mean, in my head, I'm like, well, fucking duh, I was angry. But that was the reason he was like afraid of me, essentially. That was his reason for blocking me, not because of self-preservation, but because he was like afraid of me. And I think that was really eye opening for me. So, um, yeah, (laughs) that was one of the things that came from it. That was really shocking. Yeah. And I I read the, you know, the post that you did after that conversation. And I thought it was beautiful how you said it was a reminder that we're all just existing in our own reality and everyone's reality is so different and where he thought he was doing the right thing Mm -hmm. for you, you know, and, and in your mind, he was doing the worst possible thing he could ever do to you. But, and I remember my dad would always say, everyone's doing what makes sense to them at the time. And it's so wild to think that someone could think they're doing the best thing for you while you're going through one of the worst things that's ever happened to you in your life. But it is true. Yeah, no. And I exactly it's like, I understand more so than ever now that, you know, people handle conflict differently and people handle just, yeah, communication differently. I mean, I think in this case, he could have communicated a little bit, (laughs) you know, as opposed to just not at all. But it's just how I mean, I think 
most people know that ghosting is a coping mechanism. He just couldn't face it. He couldn't handle it. And it's also yeah. like when you realize that, so me listening to that, you know, his reasons for this. And that was him being like, I was just too kind of like afraid or I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't handle it because it broke my heart, breaking your heart. I believed that. But it's also like, well, if you don't have the tools to be in a real relationship, then don't be in one. And clearly that's what happened with him because he wasn't experienced in relationships. So it almost made it make a little more sense, you know? But again, it wasn't like some kind of bomb that he dropped that made it like, oh, that's why now I got it. Thank you so much. It wasn't anything like that. And like, there was nobody else. You know, there was no secret family that he had. <laughs> there was all the wild theories I had written in solitary confinement. None of that was true. It was just that he did not see me as his long term person. That was essentially it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think it's important when we look at ghosting of, and again, this is not to excuse anyone's yeah. ghosting behaviors, but it's sure. typically because they do not have the emotional maturity or emotional capacity yeah. or communicative yeah. capabilities to tell the truth. No. Yeah. hundred percent. My dad was the one who said that to me. He like, he just would keep saying uh, in his little accent, he does not have the tools, Dara. He doesn't have the tools. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess that's a hundred percent true. I mean, yeah. So that was one of the bigger things that came from that conversation. And then just, yeah, like the lack of communication or the differences in communication. I'm thinking, trying to think now back on the conversation. It was so long, but those were the biggest things that came from it. Yeah. Yeah. And did you feel like anything changed about you or about the healing process after that conversation? I mean, you're already a year into it at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's like, it did and it didn't. I think it was just kind of nice. And I think I even mentioned this in the blog post. Oh, sorry. That was one thing I forgot to mention was hearing actually that he did love me and that he did miss me because really I questioned that. I really, really yeah. did. Because like the not having that one moment of weakness, never breaking the no contact thing. It's just like, I really didn't I thought it was all a lie. I thought it was all in my head. So hearing that he did actually have some moments where he regretted it a little, or maybe thought he was doing the wrong thing. It helped to hear that, you know, that he was also kind of in pain because I really didn't think that, but no, I mean, I was already like a year in more at that point and it didn't change much other than feeling like, thank God I'm not completely insane. Like he was still mm -hmm. the same person that I dated. You know what I mean? Like he was yeah. still him. He didn't go on to become a serial killer or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That we know of. I mean, yes. <laughs> anything's possible, but <laughs> no, yeah. It, that was, I think the best thing that came from that is that I just was like, okay, I'm not crazy. This is still the same person. That was also made it a little bittersweet and sad, I suppose, but we still had that connection. You know, we still made each other laugh during that conversation. Still like, it was, that was it. But in terms of moving forward, moving on or anything, it was not some kind of like, oh, aha moment. No, nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's good. It means you did yeah. the work up to exactly. that point. And then that was just. Right. I think the validating. conversation was probably very validating to know like, okay, he knew that it mm -hmm. was painful and it was yeah. also painful for him. And it yeah. wasn't just this one-sided thing that you were going through the whole time. 
Exactly. It's like, that's where I'm like, I do believe that for the most part, closure comes from within. But you know, I think that there are some things that can help the closure in your mind. But I don't know if it's so much closure as it is like acceptance and understanding, like hearing Mm -hmm. the conversation, or talking to him rather having that conversation helped more with the understanding and the, you know, acceptance more so than the closure. I think the closure does more or less, you know, come from within. So I had done that work already. Yeah. And I think that's really beautiful. And I always like to ask people, what was the most surprising thing you learned about yourself during that process after Mm. going through the breakup? Yeah, it's tough, honestly, because I feel like I was me when I was with him and I'm me now. I think it's just like I'm a little more, like I said, fearless now. I think there's that. But I don't know. I don't. It's a tough question. Like, I think it's just more I discovered new ways of channeling the pain, maybe, I think. Like, I think, like, stepping into comedy a little bit more was something that I've been longing to do, and I think this helped me kind of do that. But, yeah, I don't know that I've, like, changed so, so much. I think I was, you know, that was one of the things I liked about our relationship was that I felt like me, and I feel like me now just, like, a better, more exaggerated version of myself. (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's cool to be able to see that even going through one of the most painful things you'll ever go through doesn't, didn't change you, you know, it didn't necessarily harden you and and make you into this person that, you know, that you don't recognize. I think that's, that's great. It just enhanced, you know, and gave you a push to, to get into comedy. Exactly. It's such a great way to turn around things that were really shitty and make it into material. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like everyone loves hearing a breakup story during stand up. Yes. (laughs) I will say one thing like dating now, I would say, I think that experience has taught me some stuff about myself in that realm. Like I know now kind of what makes me like what makes my anxiety kind of flare up. Like if I'm seeing someone where I feel that, I like run. You know what I mean? Because say what you will about that breakup. It was terrible and I would never recommend it, but I still maintain that my relationship with him was the best relationship that I've had while it was in existence. (laughs) So when I think back to the things I'm, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, I could never like date somebody like him. I'm like, I kind of want somebody like him, but somebody who communicates, but the rest of it, I I appreciated a lot of the things that we did together that we had, but I want someone who's more honest with their feelings and communicates and also, you know, isn't afraid of me. That would help (laughs) a lot. Yeah. So uh, yeah, those are things that now I'm very more hyper aware of and I can spot it kind of a mile away, which I think is helpful. So that's very helpful. And I I do think that's a mistake a lot of people make is they'll look at, okay, this particular person caused me so much pain. I never want to go through that pain again, but then they end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater and they just Mm -hmm. go to the complete opposite where we can look at it and say, obviously, I was in love with this person for yeah. a lot of different reasons. And I wanted to be with this person for a lot of different reasons. So let's course correct the things that need to be course corrected. But don't, you know, let's not ruin a good thing. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your story. I know people will want to hear how they can connect with you, how they can, you know, continue to to hear from you and your life yeah. experiences and and all of that. <laughs> All the fun stuff. Yeah. All the fun stuff. I am Dara Pollock on Instagram. So just my name. And I am working on a couple things. I'm like, everyone be patient with me, but I am working on an ebook or maybe it's a real book, but ebook sounds a lot like 
less scary to me. So I'm going to go with ebook for now. That's kind of like a post breakup, you know, survival guide. The name's sort of being worked out, but love that. Got a lot of these fun stories, some of which I just told here, but more stories about just that time and how I got through it. And and then I'm also working on a podcast, which is actually a podcast about conflict. As like I said, that was one of the things I took from this breakup was how we all approach conflict differently. And uh, yeah, I'm working on it. Hopefully it comes to fruition soon. But um, for now, you can reach me on Instagram and I do have a newsletter on Substack. Uh, it's called Musings of a Misfit Creative. All those links are in my Instagram. So you can just kind of go there and find that. And that's about it. <laughs> I'll link those in the show notes. I yes. will be a very committed listener to the conflict <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah. That is still something that is one of my things that I know I want to work on the most. So, and I'm yeah. also going to link the two blog posts oh, about yeah, your breakup do. in the show notes so people can either pause or and read it yeah. or read afterwards. But thank you so much again for thank coming you. on. And I'm excited for everyone to hear this. Yes. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.